And we're here. Uh, I don't know how we got here, but we're going through with it. Welcome to episode one. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. This is gonna be a lot happened this week. A, a lot, a lot happened this week. Um, but before most, uh, first episode of the podcast, gotta introduce myself, where I came from. And how we've got to this position. Alright, here we go. My name is Santiago Ordonez. I prefer to be called Santi. Just due to the fact that in American culture, they really tend to pronounce my name wrong. It's either the second A that they mispronounce or even the T that they mispronounce. Uh, either way, um, it, I mean it's always been a self-conscious part of my life. But, you know, over time you learn to adapt with it. But... We go with the flow with money. Uh, I've got two parents uh, that are of Hispanic descent. Uh, my mother is from Colombia, uh, more specifically from the Tulua area. Uh, my dad's from Ecuador. Uh, from people around my area, uh, he's from the Cuenca and Hiron area. And people around my area... Uh, there's a lot of people of Ecuadorian descent that are actually from that area. So yeah, that's pretty nice. Um, I'm 18 years old. Uh, just entered college at, uh, Baruch College in New York City. Uh, in my opinion, it, it, for me, since I started senior year, my dream college. Like, you can't have, in my opinion, a better finance school at a better price in a better place. I mean, it's just a proven fact. Alright, enough about all that, something about myself. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, my chair can be very squeaky, but we'll go with it for now. Uh, so, I won't tell you guys exactly where I'm from, because, you know, I don't want you guys hunting me down. And plus, I need my privacy and all that. Uh... So, a couple fun facts about me. Um, I actually learned Spanish as a first language, believe it or not. Uh, when it came to uh, talking to my family in the household, Spanish was the only thing that they knew at the time. Uh, my dad had actually been in the country when I was born for a good, I want to say 15 to 20 years. So, he knew a little bit English. But my mother was just recently moved into the country, like, a good up to five years. And my grandmother, who I love to death, because uh, of my birth, she was actually the one who pretty much took care of me my entire life. And when she heard the news that my mother was getting pregnant to myself... Giving birth to myself. I don't know. That, that kind of sounds weird. But okay. Anyways. She got the first ticket down in New York. And now is living the rest of her life. Well. Up to the rest of my life with me. But. I'm always thankful for her. She's always giving me some great advice. Great life lessons. And if it wasn't for my grandmother. I wouldn't be in the situation I am today. Apart from that, um, I mean, I guess I'll make this 
kind of public nonsense uh, in uh, middle school or junior high school. Uh, I was very open about it, but um, my mother's actually diagnosed with schizophrenia. Uh, I mean, I've gotten a lot of notes about sympathy and all that, but honestly, you know, they'll tell me, oh, I'm sorry for you, but like, I'll tell them don't be. Like, it's a, it's a token of inspiration, and it's kind of one of the reasons why we're making this podcast today. Like, kind of the reason you're listening to what I'm saying right now. And, you know, she's one of the biggest figures in my life, my mother. And then just, we, okay, so to put it short, we basically had a big future for myself. Uh, we were going to make our own business down in Colombia. Uh, she was going to be her own, like, you know, entrepreneur. And then I was going to be the heir to all the business. It was basically going to be like a clothing man- man- manufacturing company. But it didn't work out so well. We ended up getting robbed. And, well, technically I would say robbed blind, but we got robbed from the people within our business. And it struck her very hard that, you know, the loss of so much money got to her head that pretty much she it kind of hit her first as a PTSD and then she just stopped doing anything she stopped going to work she it was basically over her way of saying I give up and she actually just recently got diagnosed um three years ago I want to say uh this event that changed her life and ultimately why my life was around six years ago six years ago and we had a very crazy like movement of things like in the span of 30 days after the summer of sixth grade uh we had actually moved everything out of my apartment to a storage and for the amount of time that that took that was a pretty fast movement uh we were actually so determined that i was gonna sorry We were actually so determined that we were going to live there for the rest of my life. And, you know, I knew English for a good time at sixth grade. But pretty much Spanish was going to be my main speaking option. And then it it, it was so crazy because we moved in June. And the whole thing went down in August. And we came back here by around September, October. And... When I came back in, in a, no, no, sorry. It was the summer of fifth grade that that happened. And then I came back two months into sixth grade. And, you know, I was greeted so well by people. And, you know, they all missed me. They, they didn't even know where I was. Like, you know, it, it meant a lot to me at the time. And, you know, her getting ill and all that got in my head. Uh, we went through a lot of low phases in my life um, that I'll probably get into uh, into uh, later on in another episode of a, of a podcast. But you know, I just want to make make it very vague to you guys of like the past, what I've gone through, and you know how low I've gone in life, and you know the ups and lows that you get, or ups and downs. Sorry, and 
how you can really overcome it. You know what I mean? And, you know, I hope that in the next episodes when, you know, you really get to know about me, uh, you'll know the true story about me. And I hope I can serve as a bit of inspiration for someone out there that's listening to this podcast. And, you know, knowing that, you know, you always got to look forward to tomorrow. Like, there was always this one saying that I've always remembered this entire time. It's, let's say that you went to sleep, you couldn't wake up again. You look back on that last day you lived. Do you regret one bit of it? And if you don't, you live the best. You live the best life you ever could. That's how I live by it. I wish you guys would buy it too. So, a couple of years passed by. Um, just recently graduated high school. Uh, this idea of a podcast didn't really come to me like all of a sudden. You know, I was really thinking about it. And, you know, shout out to Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan Experience. Um, I started listening to him like over a year ago. Um, you know, the... It's it's a very simple idea, a podcast, but you got to really perfect it to make sure, it, you know, it goes the way you want to. And for Joe Rogan, that really went the best way it could. I mean, one is, you know, the quality he produces in the podcast. And number two, I mean, the loyalty he's got towards that. He's been doing that for over 10 years. And, you know, that's a lot of respect. And... He's got to balance that with UFC work as well. I mean, hat, hats off to the guy. He's pretty much the reason why I started a podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, basically, this podcast is just going to be me giving y'all a lot of world issues, hot topics. And me pretty much giving you my input and what I feel about it. Hopefully, I can relate to a lot of y'all. Um, hopefully you guys will give me a lot of, um, critical comments during this first episode. You know, I want my podcast to be the best it can be. Um, at the end of the podcast, I'll leave my Instagram, my Snapchat, all that. Um, if you want to, uh, appear in one of these podcasts so we can have a nice civilized conversation. Um, it's always appreciated, you know, cause I feel like in this country, it's very hard to have nowadays a very nice civilized conversation. Because I feel like right now in this country, we live in a world where it's very sensitive. And in this country, if you hit them with too much facts, they'll probably go in another predicament. And they'll probably go in another spectrum. And, you know, you want to stay touched on one topic. And I don't want to drop names, but... I mean, I did have a conversation with this former classmate of mine uh, about something that they reposted. I'm not going to identify the gender. Uh, pretty much, uh, we were having an argument about the Oregon wildfires. And I was saying how it was started by arsonists since research has proven that. And I mean, I mean, I haven't denied the fact that climate change has made it worse, but Obama 
President Obama, uh, for me, inferred a tweet that pretty much has me believing that he thinks that climate change started those wildfires. And keep in mind, I'm only talking about this specific one wild, wildfire. And he's inferring climate change. And, you know, I went on my Instagram story and I go, come on, Mr. President, you know that. You know what really caused the fire. Like, we're, I'm not going to deny climate change has made that v very more severe than what it should have been. But we can't deny the cause of it. So then this person goes up on my story. Um, sh uh, they go on and tell me how climate change... Um, Nothing would uh would have been worse if climate change uh hadn't contributed to the wildfires. Uh they go on to say how obviously Trump didn't see this coming, but he has the power to Im implement regulations that deal with climate change so that fires don't become so massively destructive. And then they go on to um attack the president on how he doesn't believe science. And how he thinks climate change is a joke. And they think, in their opinion, they shouldn't have a president that believes science is a joke. So, I don't know where, um, you know, I'm not denying anything that they're saying. You know, Trump could have prevented it, but how can Trump prevent arsonists? You know what I mean? I mean, we have to really look at that case and see how that fire started i mean yeah it started by arsonists but was it on purpose wasn't an accident like the california ones the one that was started by uh or it could have been the same one I, I might be confusing two with one um the wildfires that were started by a gender reveal party and you know i want to see how climate change started that one so you know i'm not i'm i'm telling them i'm not denying what they're saying but it sounds like obama's pretty much inferring that he's starting in on climate change but we gotta look at the roots why it started and then uh they go on the defensive they're saying that i implemented that they said it but really not the case uh i'm just attacking what our former presidents say don't get me wrong i loved president obama obamacare brilliant um the way we have to take out you know, our taxpaying dollars for it, uh, it could have been better. But what can you do? I mean, for me, healthcare should have been a basic human right. Anyways, um, they consider it to take it kind of personal and then they stop talking. So, you know, I had to wait back a bit, you know, apologize because maybe, maybe I could have got, taken it a little bit too far. And then a couple days later, right? The same person, keep in mind, in my opinion, anything that you repost on Instagram, every single word that you repost, I think you believe. If you don't, cross that out. Because I honestly think you're taking a wrong narrative of your own image. So, the same person that... Um, didn't want to admit that arsonists started the fire. 
uh, reposted something on their story on how um, so it was basically a thread and the thread started with um, y'all don't want to talk about how arsonist started the fire and then the top uh, tweet on that is yes arsonist might have started the fire but climate change is what made it worse so it's basically everything I'm saying so I clap back on them and I tell them, so you're admitting now that arsonist started the fire, right? And then they go and attack me and saying that I should stop putting words in their mouth. And I'm saying that, you know, okay, so you're denying that arsonist started the fire. I mean, I was trying to prove to you in an argument before that climate change didn't start the fire. I mean, I'm backing up what you're saying. Don't get me wrong. I think what you have wrong here is that what I think you're saying is wrong, but it's not. It's not. Um, but since, in my opinion, if you have a portion there that's that's reposted and it says, yes, arsonist may have caused a fire, then you support that. It doesn't matter what else it says. If climate change... Um, if climate change... Sorry, guys. Wow, brain freeze. This is nice. You see, this is what happens on an unedited podcast. Brain freezes like that. Um, see, I, I lost my train of thought. Holy crap, what the hell? Um, well, I've already cursed. There goes my de demonetization. Uh, <laughs> so, basically, I'm saying anything that you repost, I mean, any additional words... You are still supporting that statement. And they're asking me if I'm good, if I actually read the post, if I comprehended what I said. Um, so then she fought. Okay, cut that out. They finally said <laughs> that they don't deny that arson started the fire. So then they go on and attack me and say how, you know, I should never put words in their mouth ever. And then I say, okay, so I'm just going to take that post that you don't deny that arson started the fire. Because I just wanted to hear you say that since it was very hard for you to say it before. And I just ended with my job's done here anyways. Uh, since that, um, they actually, I think, did the block and unblock method. Or they could have, yeah, no, that because... I'm not following them either. All of a sudden. I didn't unfollow them. So they did the, the block and unblock method. So you can see where where we go from there, right? You know, I try having a nice conversation. I'm trying to have them admit what they don't want to admit. Even though it's the truth. But we have some people that can't accept reality. Anyways. <laughs> That was a very long intro. Um, yeah, so we go to where I came from to an arsonist argument. Okay, so in today's episode, uh, we've got a very, very crazy week. Um, we've got the passing of Supreme Court Justice great Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We've also got to talk about the ruling 
on the officers of the Breonna Taylor decision. Uh, is there actually a reason why um, I'm recording this on Friday morning? And that is because I wanted to wait last second to see what would happen, right? And we're also going to talk about Tory Lanez. Tory Lanez. Uh, who actually released a new album all of a sudden. You know, he came out of the dark. Out of whatever came he, uh, cave he came from. To finally address the Megan the Stallions shooting. So that would be fun. Uh, we'll talk about sports. Uh, maybe some more politics. I don't... I don't know. Politics, if you get really into it for someone my age of 18, it hurts your head. It hurts your head. So, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, one of, uh, I believe she was selected by Bill Clinton. Um, or appointed by, yep. So, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was nominated by President Bill Clinton on June 22, 1993 to fill the seat vacated by retiring Justice Byron White. And throughout the span that she's been a Supreme Court Justice, um, there has been many, many votes that she's very famous for. Um, I'll read them out right now, actually. So... This is an article by Teen Vogue. Uh, here are eight Ruth Bader Ginsburg rulings to know about. I'll read off the most important ones, the ones that we might all know. So, the first one we got here um, is the Bush versus Gore case. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, the 2000 election uh, was famously not ended on the day after. Um, due to the state of Florida having to recount their votes because the state was actually declared for Al Gore, who was a Democrat, um, running against Republican George uh, Bush. And the news outlets actually reported first that Al Gore had won the state of Florida, meaning that he would be president. And keep in mind, this was a very tight race. So whoever won Florida basically won the nomination. And then more votes came in. And every single news outlet had to backtrack and say, hey, we made a problem here. Uh, call back Florida because it's still too close to call. So everyone had to count back. And it was a good up to a month till they finally decided to uh, recount the state of Florida. It had to go to the Supreme Court of the state of Florida. And ultimately, the state of Florida uh, went to George W. Bush. And she actually had a disagreement from the majority decision, from the case of Bush versus, versus Gore. Uh, so Ginsburg's dissenting opinion made it clear that she disagreed with the court's favoring of Bush. She famously wrote in her opinion, I dissent. The phase was a somewhat harsh departure from the court's decorum, in which dissenting justices usually note that they're using the term respectfully. Basically, she's not it. She's not favoring what um, the court had ruled on George Bush, because there was a lot of um, 
I believe they called it back in the day butterfly ballots, where there were some very odd filling into the ballots, and some had actually landed towards George W. Bush. Um, well, just let me do my research right here. Um, I'll give you guys the count of the state of Florida and how many votes it was actually decided by. Um, because George Bush won it on a low, low amount. And keep in mind, uh, George Bush won by only 500 votes. So, for those people who say, your vote doesn't count, try that in the state of Florida. I dare you. Because your vote, this November can be the difference between having Joe Biden or Donald Trump as our president. Okay. And the other next case that I think is one of the most important ones is the... Or, I'm going to completely dodge this. Obergefell versus Hodge. Hodges. Or, damn, those are horrible ass names. No offense to them. In 2015. And... This landmark case granted same-sex couples the right to marry in all 50 states. And she was pretty much the decisive vote towards gay marriage. And the court ruled 5-4 in favor of legalizing the same-sex marriage. And basically, she told The Guardian, marriage was a relationship of a dominant male to a suborb subordinate female and hold on one second I said she was the rule four um ah okay so in 1982 she actually ruled against gay marriage and in 2015 she was ultimately the deciding vote so sorry I had to take that a little bit there um you know, those are the kinds of an unedited podcast. And, okay. Yeah. So, she basically opened her eyes and knew what was right. And, yeah. Basically, that that was very long overdue because I don't think the government should be controlling the marriages. But, it is what it is. Um, so, yeah. Basically, these other cases... There's one more about, um, that's kind of on her bad side. It's the Ledbetter versus Goodyear. And there's basically an employee who sued them for, uh, Goodyear tires for gender discrimination. And she pretty much also was the deciding vote in favor of Goodyear, saying that, um, the employee couldn't have filed her complaint sooner because she didn't know she was being discriminated against. So, basically she's saying that the holes didn't add up and she didn't qualify that as gender discrimination. And the media ate her up and things like that. So, what Trump's done, trying to do before the election, the election is to get a new Supreme Court uh, nomination or appointment, as they would say. And I don't know why Joe Biden would say this, but uh, he said it's a violation or abuse of power. 
Um, I'm gonna play the video right now. Um, I have to play it on my phone. Give me one second. Uh, so it should be up. Oh, there goes my ads. So, yeah, pretty much Trump's doing what he can, right? And because he's the president, he can appoint a Supreme Court. And so here's the video. before the vote was impossible. Here's more from Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden. President Trump wants to put forward a name now. The Senate should not act until after the American people select their next president, their next Congress, their next Senate. If Donald Trump wins the election, then the Senate should move on his selection and weigh the nominee he chooses fairly. But if I win the selection, President Trump's nominee should be withdrawn. Yeah, um, pretty much didn't make any sense. Uh, I'm not really for Joe Biden. I'll explain in a minute. Um, but yeah, he's pretty much saying uh, he can't pick now because he has the advantage because he's president. You know, there's n there's nothing wrong with him picking now. Uh, yeah, the the Democratic Party and its supporters will go against it, saying that um, saying that they won't have a fair share. Uh, let the president be picked, um, which is a fair argument. But um, let's say Biden wins. I don't think they're going to come to that fast of a vote before November if they appoint a Supreme Court nominee now. Um, I believe the time between Trump appointing Brett Kavanaugh, the latest Supreme Court justice added, and the time that he was appointed was around two months, so we'd have to see. Um, but honestly, um, if Trump wants to appoint someone now, go for it. You know, he'd, he'd have to go through the entire, he'd have to testify in front of Congress, all of those things. Um right now um i'm not aware if he has a a clear uh throat nominee um yeah i'm looking at all the articles here basically the liberal media are attacking trump because they oh my god see this is what i like about the liberal media i'll say liberal i'll say i'll just say news media just to not trigger the people out there but I honestly think that Trump is using his presidential powers to his advantage because he's the freaking president. He can appoint a Supreme Court nominee. Like, and he actually promised uh, yesterday in a presidential rally that he's going to appoint a Supreme Court nominee woman, as a woman. Uh, we're not sure who it's going to be yet, but we'll stay tuned for that one. Uh, okay, so since I just mentioned it, I guess I'll bring it up now. Uh, as, an, as a very young individual, I was a very left Democrat. Uh, some people would call me, you know, Lipsard. And, you know, looking back at it now, they, they're, they're kind of right. But 
as I've opened my eyes and, you know, started to do more research here and there about, uh, sorry, start to do more research about politics and, you know, what's actually being shown, what, what is the truth and what's not, uh, I actually filed when I turned 18 as an independent because I see what the news does. I see how they try to manipulate. And, you know, they'll keep on saying that they're the most trusted branded news, like CNN. Like, they'll say that, you know, they always report the truth. Not always the case, you know. Um, you have those news networks that are very biased. And I'm not saying that Fox News isn't too. Fox News is definitely biased too. Um, there's no definite middle. But there's one reason I'm voting for Trump and Trump only. Uh, as it's very evident, Joe Biden has a speech impediment. Pretty much like one that I have right now. Uh, I'll mumble here and there. I'll start here and there. But he's running for president. And I think if we pick him, the media will try their best to hide his illness. And I feel like we're just going to run the cycle like we did FDR all over again. But only in the sense of the media trying to hide his illness. I'm not saying Joe Biden's going to take us to war. I hope he doesn't. If he gets elected. I'm saying that <clears throat> uh, Joe Biden will get the FDR treatment. And I honestly think for America, that's not the best. I think Trump has done a great job with the economy. He'll, I, I, I hate that he does this, but every time that, you know, there's a racist rally or a protest about racism and how they say how, you know, Trump hasn't treated racism well. He'll continue to mention the African-American unemployment rate and his supporters. Um, just that one single side alone. And, you know, it's a, it's a good argument here and there. But, you know, when you go, go down to the nitty gritty, nitty gritty, what have you really done? So, that's another thing to keep in touch with. But, yeah. Former Democrat, independent, voting for Trump. At the beginning... When he got elected, wasn't really hot pitched on me. The first, the first day he got he got voted in, not not the day he sworn in, first day voted in, the day after election day. First person I saw. He comes up to me in the hallway. Ha ha! You're getting deported. Like, you see all the narrative that Trump brought into us, you know. He, he made a lot of implications that, you know, quote-unquote Mexicans were racist at the time. But, you know, he was very vague about it. You know, he thought that the American people at the time would understand what he meant. And, you know, he meant all the drug dealers, all the, you know, the illegals that aren't here for, in this country to do good to the country. And, you know. And then came all that audio tapings that came out like 20 years ago of how they're going to grab her by the p word and honestly i don't know it's i mean i hate voting for trump but it's the best of two evils 
So you really can't do anything about that. So now, Brianna Taylor. Uh, so the decision came out two days ago that they're only going to quit one officer. And from what I've grabbed, they're actually not arresting uh, or indicting that police officer on attempted murder or first-degree murder or anything like that. They're actually arresting him on this thing that's called... Um, I'd have to look that up. Give me one second. See, I'm very ill-prepared for this. Uh, he got charged for want, wanton endangerment. And basically what they were saying is that um, the officer got charged because they endangered the neighbors with gunshots when she when Brianna Taylor was killed by police officers in her Louisville apartment. Um, this is a very touchy subject for me because I don't feel like the truth is coming out to the public a lot. Um, they'll say all these things on. Um, how she didn't deserve to die. She was sleeping and all that. Which, you know, it's backed up. You know, she was sleeping when she got shot. And, you know. But there's a lot of evidence that actually suggests that the police were justified in shooting. Um, first and foremost, um, there is one witness that um, did hear them. Uh, announced themselves saying that you know they're the police and if you don't open now they're gonna um, open fire or something like that and most of the other party's arguments was okay so they did all this in the middle of the night and you know a lot of people are asleep and other parties would suggest that you know the point that they make the announcement is that everyone's aware of uh, the, that the police are there keep in mind this is the middle of the night um, they're probably not going to hear as much. Some of them could be hard sweepers. Some of them could be very easy sweepers. I don't know. But, um, I think that argument should be completely thrown out the window. And here's why. There's one point that no one seems to be talking about from the, um, protester standpoint. And keep in mind, I was one of the protesters too. I attended one of the protests. But there's one argument that the authorities will stick to. And it completely backs their case. And that is that the ex-boyfriend, who was there? Not the current boyfriend. The current boyfriend wasn't there. The ex-boyfriend shot first. Now, I don't know in the context that... um. Uh, what happened that led to him shooting first, but, you know, if you're shooting at the authorities first, you're going to expect some fire back. And, you know, 
unfortunately, Brianna Taylor was in the wrong side of of justice. They were actually trying to get the ex-boyfriend and all that. But it's a very unfortunate scenario to be uh, talking about. Uh, there's the the protesters recently, like the past week. It's been kind of hurting me. Uh, there was uh, one video I saw where uh, a police officer was actually um, approaching a protester who was on the ground, all four down, and he decides to approach him with his bike, pretty much run over his head with the bike. I don't know how that's, I don't know how that's okay. I don't know how that's justified. Like, my man's on the ground. Like, he ain't resisting or anything. Like, you just should put him in handcuffs at that point. And then the fact that you're running him over the the freaking head with a bicycle, I think is very controversial. Like, I think the protesters are taking this way out of context. I'm only supporting one point and one point that I've been supporting this entire time. We should have police and criminal justice reform. We shouldn't defund the police. It's just not right. In my opinion, you only take the ones accountable. The ones that are doing bad to this country. The ones that are doing bad to the streets. And those are including the bad cops. Because the protesters' main argument is, if one cop is bad, then all cops are bad. That's what I've gotten to infer here. But, honestly, I don't think that's the case. Because there are some really good cops out there. And, you know, some can't hold back because they're such, they're such in a higher position uh, that they can do something about it. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot of cops who can't do anything about, you know, the other bad cops that they're in such a low rank that they're in risk of losing their job. But honestly, if I'm a cop or not, you got to see what's right for the American people. You got to see what's right for the American people. And that entire topic is just, it, it's its a very emotional topic because Breonna Taylor was a victim of a shooting that she shouldn't have been involved in in the first place. And in cases like these, it's very hard to bring justice, but it's one of the flaws in our in, in our justice system, and we can't do anything about it. Okay, big disclaimer, I haven't done enough research on the Brianna Taylor case, so if I got something wrong, please let me know in the next podcast episode. I'll deal with it, and I'll apologize for it. Okay, so our last main topic... Oh boy, <laughs> Tory Wayne's fuck. <laughs> he has released a last-minute album. Uh, he tweeted around six o'clock Eastern, I'll say, uh, saying that he'll address the entire situation, everything that's been going on. And well, he did. And let me just tell you that it ain't pretty. So he released Daystar, a uh, new album. Uh, 
first studio album since the shooting involving him and fellow rapper Megan Thee Stallion on July 12th, 2020, which left her hospitalized and him jailed on gun charges. So, throughout this entire saga, we've only heard Megan's story. We haven't heard Tory Lanez's side of the story until now. Um, as a marketing strategy, this is genius. You know, you got Tory's side of the story, but you got to make some bank while making an album too. Like, I think this is smart. A lot of Megan's fans are against it. But honestly, this is a smart idea. I love his music. Uh, my best friend is a very big supporter of him. And, you know, I, I, I was intrigued. Uh, so, we'll go with the first couple songs. The first four, actually, because Tori really goes off in the first four. The other ones are... It's kind of the Cory song, you know, the 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 kind of love song that you expect from Tory Lanez and all that. So the first song, "Money Over Fallouts." Basically, you've got Tory Lanez here addressing the shooting that happened. So in the intro, he breaks his silence after Megan accuses him of shooting him, shooting her in the foot in an Instagram video. And Tori denies the allegation. A leaked text shows that he told Megan that he was intoxicated on the night of July 12th. Megan left the scene with a gruesome foot injury and Tori has remained silent since. So, I'm reading this straight out of Genius. Uh, so, Megan had this one day. She confessed to everything, everything that happened. and Okay, so... He brings up this line, A, they'd rather see me in the cell, like how he posted out with $30,000 bail. And this is referring to the bond that he had that was set at $35,000 after he was released from jail shortly after. And all the charges. So, I'm not going to lie, the media kind of ate him up. Um, they they saw Megan's story, which kind of switched over time, and, you know, they wrote on her side of the story from the entire time. And Okay. Basically, um, I'll, I'll, I'll head to what Megan's saying in a second, but, uh, basically, Tory Lanez hits back by saying he's, uh, their team is the one that's lying, Megan's team, and, you know, Tory Lanez addressed the fact that he briefly broke his silence to DM Hot New Hip Hop. And denied the allegation that he's being canceled by the cancel culture, but he still has, you know, a hell of a ton of million monthly listeners on Spotify, so. And then he actually name dropped uh, Kalani and Cash uh, pages. And <clears throat> they had tweets saying how they were going to remove Tory Lanez's verse off of their albums and all that. And, you know, it hurt his heart to see that, sorry, hurt his heart to see that they, you know, would jump to such a conclusion without hearing two sides of the story. And 
Tori, Tori kind of brings up a, a nice little uh, reference to Drake here. In the recent song, Laugh Now, Cry Later, he said, Can't cry now because I'm going to laugh later. Uh, couldn't have been referred to Drake, but I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, so basically, Tori brings up a really good point here in the, in the song also where he says, Because he watching me all on the news, but I ain't charged with no cases. So... Despite being on all over the news, he's actually hasn't been charged with any, like, anything regarding shooting Megan in the foot, allegedly. He only got charged with possession of a concealed weapon. So you should really keep that in mind when he's saying that he shot Megan. So we've also got, um, Uh, he debunks the fact that he got deported. He was actually quarantined during during the entire time when he left uh, from bail. Uh, <laughs> this is the funniest part of the uh, this is the funniest line of the of the song. He says, "Oh, now I'm five three, uh, saying I'm a shorty, but will be on five seven. Money on me, sidestepping." Uh, he's basically a uh, coming out finally against the police reports that. Accidentally labeled him as 5'3 and 120 pounds when he's actually 5'7. And they continue to show a picture with him in The weekend, who The weekend is actually 5'8. And they're almost similar in height, so I don't think Tory Lanez is 5'3. Uh, so he brings up a very good point, which was kind of um, weird to me. And I'm glad he brought this up. So he says in the lyrics, gotta see a couple questions. How the F you get shot on your foot, don't hit no bones or tendons. So this is a reference to a picture Megan shared on Instagram of her foot injuries from the night of the shooting. She reported that she was injured from the glass, but later changed her story to allege that Tori had shot her. This is why I don't believe Megan's case. Like, I, I believe she got hurt. I don't believe the Tori thing. Because she changes from I got injured from glass to Tori shooting her. So, it's a very weird, uh, very weird predicament to be in for both parties. Um, basically, the next song, A Woman, it's pretty much saying that, you know, this guy had massive, massive feelings for Megan and, you know, how can someone so dear to my heart can actually make me so sick to my stomach? And, you know, there's no, there's nothing there that points out to me, but it's basically a sweet song towards Megan saying that, you know, maybe, you know, if we if we get through this one day, we can continue again. Or Honestly, I think that won't happen. And then there's Friends Become Strangers saying how Megan has changed over time, even before the shooting. Uh, she was being a little sus. And, yeah. Megan was switching up on him and all that. And, you know, he's pretty much saying how he didn't deserve it and all that. Okay. The last one. Sorry, but I had to. The name alone brings a big, big exclamation mark and question mark of what this is going to be about. So I thought he's going to name drop so many dudes. This is probably going to break the internet. 
So, first thing he addresses, he 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 goes. Since the event, you never called me, but you can't deny me. If you got shot from behind, how can you identify me? I don't know who he's trying to address there, but good point. Um, they believe they're trying to uh, uh, identify Megan here, who Tori's trying to uh, name call, but that's a good point. Uh... He then proceeds to name drop um, Asian Doll. And <laughs> this is pretty much kind of cold, but um, he pretty much addresses how Tory Lanez didn't really um, know Asian Doll at the time that she was defending her during the, the time and... You know, Asian Doll would say on her stream that Megan's not violent, uh, she's not argumentative, and all that. But Tory Lane says one line and pretty much ends her. Says, Asian Doll talking, but shoddy, I don't know you. Pretty much saying that, you know, when it comes to this whole thing, you're pretty much irrelevant to me. And you shouldn't really come towards me. Next person that he name drops is Jojo. And for those of you who don't know Jojo, I don't blame you. Uh, he pretty much got her the the most views on her song, uh, the remix of Comeback, off of Jojo's 2020 album, Good to Know. And uh, she actually decided to remove the deluxe version that featured Tory Lanez after the alleged shooting of Megan the Stallion again allegedly and then he goes Jojo that was a bozo move you're trying to take me off a song that got you the most views got mad love for you though your label they confused they spent 50 on my feature they 50k in the ooze right now so basically saying how he pretty much got 50k and ran away with it now you now you ain't got the feature and now they just lost 50 50 g's just like that uh so there was another one oh basketball dudes will love this one he'll name drop jr smith uh, for those of you who don't know, J.R. Smith is a NBA player on the Los Angeles Lakers right now. And he actually took a shot of Tor on Tory Lanez on Instagram, calling him a clown for shooting woman. Again, uh, very gutsy for J.R. Smith to jump on that conclusion very quick, but what can you do? It's J.R. Smith. This is a guy who doesn't know how to play in the finals. He well, Braun did all the work for him. I don't care what y'all say. So... Tory Lanez proceeds to go and say, uh, J.R. Smith, it's the pot that piss, and you're the last cat that should talk about some shots that hit, because your performance and percentage player, rolling, riding benches, I'm from the trenches. He's pretty much clapping back on saying how J.R. Smith shot 9% from three, 
during the 2020 regular season. And he also implies that JR rides the bench. And he has ridden the bench over the playoff run during the NBA bubble. And he put JR in his place. It, it, it was kind of fun. Uh, oh, boy. Um, this one, I did not expect Tori to go after, but it really shocked me. He went after Chance the Rapper. Um, Chance the Rapper, I'd say top 20 artist of mine. Great artist. Um, so when Chance heard all this happen, he pretty much says, I hope Meg really gets justice for what Tori did to her and that we can all learn from this, how near and constant and serious the threat of lethal violence and abuse is for every black woman. I mean, okay, so I'll read the, the line first. He goes, Chance the Rapper, mm-mm, too irrelevant. I replaced his line with my chain looking heaven sent. So he doesn't really go too in debt with Chance the Rapper. But um, he pretty much calls him irrelevant too. And pretty much saying how he's too irrelevant. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, putting Chance in this place saying that, you know, this ain't your place to talk about. You ain't relevant no more. Oh, boy. Okay, so this is a long one. So, he then proceeds to name drop Masika Kalisha, who's an actress and TV personality. And for those of you who don't know that name, she made headlines after faking a kidnapping to promote her OnlyFans. She got very hard heat for it. And, you know, I haven't done my research on her yet, but... I'd, I'd assume she'd do an apology because it's 2020, so you have to apologize over everything. So, pretty much Tory Lanez calls her out on the stunt, saying that she's not setting a good example for her daughter, Carrie Maxwell. Or Kari. I don't, I don't know how you spell that one. Um, saying how, also, it's funny how uh, Masika is involving... You know, in Twitter debates about Tory Lanez, but she also has her own scandal hands. So I'll read the, the lyrics right now. A Masika, this your chance. You win every Twitter debate and every shade room comment. Co- sorry. And every shade room comment, like common sense ain't common sense. Like we be needing your two cents in all your events. Faking a kidnappy for your OnlyFans. And, try, and trying to front like missing kids was your intent. If that's the type of shit you teach in Kari, you should sit in the pen and watch people disagree in the end. You try to make it facts, but it's a a L-I-E in the end. Oh, it ain't funny when it's your turn when spectators got their whiters out with gasoline and one, you'll burn. When spectators got their whiters out with gasoline and wanting, you'll burn. A little bit too deep, but, um, okay, you you, you go for it, Tori. (laughs) Yeah, and yeah, th- those are basically all the people that he name-dropped. Um, I had not had a chance to read the rest of the album, but I'm assuming he would address all of it in the first songs. Um, yeah, and then the other ones is just like, you know, how he's singing about a quote-unquote queen and all that. It's like, okay. So my thoughts on the album, I think it was great. Um, 
great marketing strategy by Tory Lanez. Um, if you want to make millions over controversy, like it's obvious, controversy creates cash, and he used it to his advantage. And he's gonna have a lot of people talking about this album in the coming days. So good on him, good on him. So those are all the topics we got covered, and now we're gonna cover sports right now. And I'm only gonna cover NBA right now since it's um, we're in the playoffs, and I'll only cover the NBA. So last night the Lakers won 114-108. LeBron James led the 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 game with 26 points, nine rebounds, eight assists, and now the Lakers are up three to one. And if you've been stuck to the playoffs during the bubble, Denver has come back. 3-1 to one in both series. Keep in mind, this is the conference finals. So if you're LeBron James and the Lakers, you're pretty much very worried because the Denver Nuggets in this bubble know a thing or two about coming back from 3-1. And so expect a big game from Jamal Murray next game. Man, some, something, something's telling me that, that the Nuggets did this on purpose. <laughs> I mean... Imagine that. 2020. You've got the Clippers on the semis to the Nuggets. And now the Lakers on the finals to the, to the Nuggets. Imagine that. Having the Denver Nuggets taking out Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and LeBron James in a single playoff run. I think that will be one of the most talked about playoff runs, I think, in the century. Taking out one of the best players of all time with possibly one of the best duels in the league in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and pretty much caused a huge display of dismay in the locker room for the Clippers after they got eliminated. But, yeah. Uh, I said during the, uh, the conference semis, imagine what would happen if it's a Heat and Lakers finals rematch. Finals match. And looking at the, the table right now, uh, the Heat are up 3-1 against the Celtics too. We're very close to seeing the Heat-Lakers matchup. Imagine that. The team that LeBron helped carry to two more titles is now going to face him in the finals. Proving everyone wrong that they can do it without LeBron and Dwayne Wade. Uh, honestly... It's a very unpredictable playoffs right now. They're both 3-1 leads. Anything can happen. Now, because of LeBron James in 2016, you can't ever trust a 3-1 lead anymore. You can just have a, an amazing three-game stretch and go from there. Uh, yeah, so the Lakers, they should have closed out the series, but in Game 3, they really, they really couldn't close out the game. And you could see in their faces at the end of the Game 3, like, they had they they should have won in my opinion but you know whatever happens happens uh game four was two days ago uh 112 109 to the heat tower hero with a career high 37 points calls himself a bucket <laughs> he just he was a tear against the celtics like marcus smart tried his best he couldn't he couldn't guard him i'm watching highlights right now uh nice step back on marcus smart uh this one crazy reverse layup uh, Hero had. It was kind of nice. It, it wasn't crazy, but... Yeah. 
to drop 37 points and uh there was this one crazy stat I saw the other day about Tower Hero um yeah no no he's the only player from the 20s to reach to, uh born into the 2000s to be in the conference finals first player uh from the 2000s yep I'm right which is kind of crazy you know Heat had their draft picks this year and they're really paying off um Tower Hero, great pick. Uh, Bam Adebayo, who is actually undrafted, uh, great pick. He's doing good contributions off the bench or in the starting lineup for the Heat. Uh, if I'm the Celtics right now, I need the trio to step up. Trio I'm talking about, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Kemba Walker. They all need to step up in these next three games. Like You can't just have one player perform. Because if you only have one player perform, you're not guaranteed to win. I mean, it's proven. You had Jalen Brown at the... Or Jason... Yeah, I think it was Jalen Brown at the end of Game 4 that tried to bring him back, but it was just too late. You know, they were just doing um, dumb plays, but I think the Heat, their 3-2 zone at the end of the game, I think was great. Um, I was confused at Game 4 why Celtics were playing very small ball at the end. Like, they were not going to get a single rebound. Um, Yeah, I haven't seen much small ball from the Celtics in the playoffs, but it was a unique strategy, but I don't think it could have worked. Um, I think their biggest player was Tatum on the floor. I could be mistaken. Um, There was one highlight that Hero had. It was kind of nice. Um, It was basically... Uh, a pump fake that he did and they compared the pump fake to I believe Michael Jordan or Kobe either one or the other it's basically the, no 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 Ray Allen Ray Allen in the uh, 2013 playoff uh, NBA finals I believe where he commits a pump fake and he sends the defender jumping and this is pretty much what Tyre Hero does here pretty much sends him takes a dribble knocks down the three uh, but back to the Lakers. Uh, it's a very I I'm in a I'm very undecided on when this, where the series is gonna go. I said Lakers in four. Uh, I mean it's not the case anymore, but it's whatever. Uh, I think in the Heat Celtics I said Heat in seven. I'm not sure. I'd have to look back on my Instagram stories and look on that out. Look look out on that. Um. Yeah, so I suggested that the Lakers were going to uh, sweep the Nuggets. Um, the moment the Nuggets beat the Clippers and took them out, I posted, congrats to the Lakers on winning the NBA title. Because I didn't think Denver has a chance. I honestly don't. But, you know, the Nuggets have been unpredictable this season. So we got to see what happens. Um, What else? What else? Um, yeah, the mama mentality. Um, so yeah, I didn't really call us, uh, I don't have evidence that suggests that I called the series, but, um, so whatever. Uh, so yeah, I still think it's going to be a Heat Lakers matchup. I think it'd be pretty fun to see. Uh, who would guard LeBron James and Anthony Davis? 
I think we're going to see more of Andre Iguodala in the finals. But, but then again, it is very soon to call. I'm already saying the finals, but, you know, it's a very fun series. I hope both series go to seven and Heat and Lakers come out of that one. But anything can happen. Um, Celtics got a lot of firepower that shouldn't be underestimated. The Nuggets as well. So we'll see what happens from there. Uh, apart from that, guys, uh, I think we can call that a first episode. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I try my best to talk about it, but yeah. Uh, let me know what you guys think. Um, I'm going to make a new Instagram account uh, specifically just for this podcast. And I'll let you guys you know. I'll leave a link in the description on that Instagram account. Uh, just to let you know what you, uh, what you guys think of the podcast. What you guys think I should talk about the coming week. Um, I'll probably be recording the podcast every Friday morning. So in between. It'll probably be Thursday or Friday. So during the week send me some suggestions of what you think I should send. Um, but for now, guys, uh, just follow my uh, Instagram, uh, Ordonez, O-R-D-O-N-E-Z, underscore Santi. And on Snapchat, it's Santi Ordonez 17 no underscores or anything like that. Uh, apart from that, guys, uh, that's it for episode one. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and have a great weekend. So before you guys uh, leave this podcast, I got a little song for y'all. Uh, just for an outro music, uh, by FNG Casper, produced by Anno Domini. I might have botched that. When I grow up, hope you guys enjoy. Catch y'all next week. Not a singular buck, I'll just keep it a buck You won't have to adjust when your end is abrupt I'll put this whole game on a crutch from kicking its nuts I'm just a cynical nut, a lyrical fuck Someone you wouldn't want to meet in the dust The one you can trust to have your lyrics combust Cause I'm feeling the rush, no longer stuck in a rut Clock is ticking and I have no more time to discuss Fuck you for walking back into my life Thinking you can pull that shit twice Thinking you can just text me and I'll drop my shit To come rock your shit Cause you're thinking that you're hot as shit Listen up, homeboy, cause I'm thinking about a chrome toy Debating heavily on deploying and destroying Cause this isn't a hand-holding game You are nothing in a more cutthroat than Kemper You better watch it when I'm losing my temper These bars become as cold as December So every time you listen, you're forced to remember I could kill you no matter the weather A demon born on the 6th of November With a sixth sense for music that goes with my sixth sense of humor I'll compound all your rumors and leave you in bloomers This isn't a game to me, bitch It's not a gimmick for fame or the wanted You people yelling my name I do this for the love of the sport but in that quote, you fall unexpectedly short. Sending petty calls for war, what's wrong with you? I could drop a bomb on you, mumbling through auto-tune. Make you sleep with the fishes, my genie gave me three evil wishes. I better start on this hit list. If I'm calling shots, they ain't missing. You claim you're the king to the bitches, but in reality, you're just king of the snitches. Always affected by others' opinions, inflicted with the loser's mentality. This is the last time I mention your name, I'm off the scene. When I grow up, I won't give one if, end, or but Not a singular fuck, I'll just keep it a buck You won't have to adjust when your end is abrupt I put this whole game on a crutch from kicking its nuts I'm just a cynical nut, a lyrical fuck Someone you wouldn't want to meet in the dust The one you can trust to have your lyrics combust Cause I'm feeling the rush, no longer stuck in a rut Clock is ticking